Hello and welcome to another episode of the HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. My name is Fergal Fox and on today's episode we're looking back on the year to date in terms of our podcast episodes and with me today are our other podcast hosts Eamon Kyo and Noreen Turley. Hello. Hi. It's great to have these guys around the table discussing our podcast series and I suppose first of all I want to start with the fact that this is a new venture for us the podcast series and We've learned a lot during the year. The first thing we've learned is how to be a bit comfortable in front of the microphone. Eamon, how has it been for you? Yeah, I have to say I was nervous starting off, but I hope I've improved as it's gone on. But I mean, it's been a great experience. And, and also, I have to say the feedback and the reaction has been really positive. And just even talking to a few people, colleagues I work with about it, it's been great to hear that we have people listening and they're enjoying it. Yeah, that's great. Noreen, how has it been for you? It's a big learning curve for us all, I guess. Yeah, a huge learning curve, but it's been really interesting. And for me, it's the people that we've met and had an opportunity to interview because I never would have met them before. And their experience and their wealth of knowledge is something that just to have it recorded for them to be able to give their advice to people and to the listener. It's just been amazing and it's been a privilege. Yeah, like it's one of the things I do feel honoured with as well, that we can tap into so much expertise we're trying to create a space for half an hour conversation, but these people are deep in their trench or their expertise on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, it amazes me when we ask people to participate in this, just as we said, the time to record the podcast, but also they're taking the time out of their day. They're getting here. It's more than just the recordings. Just a big thank you to everybody who's come on the podcast and helped us tell their stories really yeah it seems that as the podcast has got a little more successful it's easier to get people you know and we've got a few requests from people and that's why we do share the email address in every episode because people are contacting us from across the health services and our partners to say would you like to do one on this or could we do a podcast in partnership with you so that's it's great when people kind of reach in we're not always reaching out yeah absolutely and i think that really what we're doing is providing a platform for people and When you meet them, like Eamon says, the commitment that they give to the pre-call that we have with them before the podcast for preparation for it, to see what they want to talk about and identify the key messages that they want to get across and then to come and meet us on the day and do the recording live. But we're just providing the platform and the passion, the commitment, the experience, the knowledge and understanding each one of these people have about their subject matter. I've met people who've got 30 years experience. Now, how do you capture that 30 years of experience? Mm. So it's just incredible. And really the passion that they have still got after working in the health service for 30 years is incredible. And the changes that they've seen over the years. I think that that came across even in the first episode about Sloan Secure Healthy Communities, where we had Jura Fahey and Mairead Kearney talking about that community health inequality initiative in episode Mm. one. But they were both... Like they really believed in the initiative they were driving. It was great. You know, they they weren't just getting a message across. Yeah. No, you and I suppose been part of that project as well. But just to hear like that, the passion that they both had where they really wanted to make a difference in the area in Limerick. Yeah, I thought it was it was a great start, really. For me as well, I have to say, just as Noreen said, we've been so fortunate in the the range of topics that we've covered I mean, some of the standouts for me, I have to say, just even learning what we're doing, some of the innovative things, just the episode I thought with 
Nikki Colleen, where she talked about going into festivals and the drug tents. I thought that was really interesting. And even just to hear that it's a way for them to identify new drugs that they haven't heard of before. I mean, just some of that information, you know, and and some of the ways and the things that have been done. Yeah, it is radical and groundbreaking work. Just for the listeners to know, that's episode 18, the HSC Safer Nightlife Programme. And Nikki brings us, people may have heard it in the news again about the way that traditional drugs are getting kind of chemically formulated and, and sometimes drug users are getting a lot stronger substances than they think they're getting. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of danger out there for people that are sometimes using drugs at events like music festivals. Initially at Electric Picnic, we got 47 samples. While that's numerically low, we got really rich data from those substances. So we had a series of new psychoactive substances, very unusual and novel psychedelics and stimulants. And from that one event, we had four drugs which have never been found before in Ireland. So we were able to update the EU early warning system that these drugs have been identified in the Irish context. So that's quite significant to the HSE, showing that this approach is reaching people we wouldn't otherwise reach, but also finding drugs that we don't know exist in Ireland. And even Noreen, the episode you did with uh, Bobby Smith, I thought that was a really yeah. I think really that for me that was really interesting as well because a mother of four children. So I was listening to him talking about addiction in young people, the formation of the brain, and all of these things. I did say to him at the time, "I wish I'd met you a few years earlier. My life would have been a lot easier." But it was just incredible. The ideas that I had in my own head about some of the subject matters were totally different than really what the evidence shows us. And this is what these professionals are bringing. They're showing us, they're telling us the research, they're telling us the evidence and they can quote it off the top of their head so that for our listener, you don't have to go through 10 different papers. They are bringing out the key messages to say, these are the things you should look out for. And these are the ways you could talk to your kids. And Bobby Smith was amazing at that. And he's constantly looking at addiction services and addiction in children. And he sees Obviously, the very difficult cases where kids start off very sim on maybe, you know, cannabis and then they go into a lifelong problems with drugs, whether it's with mental health or going to harder drugs. So it was a really, really interesting podcast. And I feel like in every podcast, I'm learning things. So that episode with Bobby was the episode 20 and it was Parents Matter. We'll just listen to a clip of it now. That sort of a question or that sort of approach, sort of an angry finger pointing approach is highly likely just to get okay. them to clam up, shut down, slam the door in your face. Yeah. So I suppose, again, I'd go back to the point about trying to come from a position of concern. Just say, God, you don't seem yourself this last yeah. while. You seem a bit more grumpy, a bit more down in the dumps. I'm worried about you. Yes. I just leave it at that. The door okay. might get slammed in your face going, you know, leave me yeah, alone. What yeah. do you know about me? You know. Whatever, but to come at it from a position of concern, because even if the initial response isn't, you know, one of sharing information, I think it's more likely in the next conversation or they might then next time go, actually, there there are some things going on for me. Yeah, that was a very powerful episode. I think that was one of our last episodes in July. and, And, you know, we took a break in July and August and the listenership of that was kind of going all throughout July and August. Like it really seem to be popular with parents. You know, that I think the the title and having Professor Bobby Smith on it made a big difference, you know, that that yeah. it, he, he just sounds like a rock of sense. And even though a lot of the things he was saying, you know, some of it made good common sense, but you weren't hearing it talking about that subject matter of alcohol. And sometimes 
you know, we are getting too many alcohol messages. That reminds me actually of the alcohol episode that you did with Dr. Sheila Gilhini, because that's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, that uh, was that was fantastic. I sat in on that one and I thought this is so good because she, like I was saying there, she's an expert and she's so passionate, but she's such a good communicator. Yeah. Uh, and, and she was able to get her points across about the Alcohol Act. And, you know, she was literally advocating for more government action for where we need to move on alcohol because it's so bloody normalized. Yeah. And one of the key things that I took from that one was actually when she said, when she talked about alcohol and the alcohol marketing hidden in plain sight. And I just thought, oh my God, she's so right. Because, okay, now we have alcohol and it's in behind a barrier or whatever in the supermarkets. But right outside, we have the zero, zero alcohol with the very same labeling, with the very same bottles. And we even have it still on the rugby pitch. And literally on the pitch. On the yeah, pitch. Yeah. On the pitch, zero, zero. There's no changes. So it really is hidden in plain sight. And once Sheila said that to me, I thought, oh my God, I can see alcohol everywhere. But until she said it to me, I was completely blind to it. So obviously the marketing of it is just phenomenal. Yeah. And it is having an effect. If we are taking it in, whether we realize it or not, we are looking at that. And it is just complete saturation of the market. Yeah. I mean, what struck me in that episode as well, just, I suppose, her passion for tackling that. And, yeah. and it's a real David versus Goliath, really. And yeah. when you look at the drinks industry and the, you know, the money they put behind the advertising. Absolutely. Um, but her passion really came through. Yeah. Like I said, mm. she's such a good communicator. I'd encourage everybody to listen to that episode because I was disappointed that it wasn't more popular of an episode. But I think people aren't going to that alcohol issue or were, were tentative about. Like, I think most Irish people will admit when you ask them, like, do Irish, that, do we have a problem with alcohol in Irish society? Deep down, we all know it, but we're not always willing to kind of face up to it. That's episode six. And we'll play a little clip of that now. You know, sometimes when we look at these things, it can seem overwhelming as a problem. It can seem like, oh, my God, you know, um, alcohol related harm, whether we're talking about admissions to hospital, whether we're talking about assaults in the street, whether we're talking about the 200,000 children who are growing up with alcohol harm in, in the home, a very hidden but very devastating you know, trauma that, that can be there. It can seem overwhelming. But what I actually often take great heart in is looking to other countries and seeing what they did and how they, they managed to reduce the harms. And what the WHO would say is there's three fundamental ways in which you can turn things around. Well, you can not exactly turn off the tap, but you can at least reduce the pressure a bit. And they would be controls on pricing, on marketing and on availability. And when we look at countries that have actually, you know, introduce some of those controls, whether through taxation, whether through bans on, on alcohol advertising, we see that the level of alcohol use does go down. And with every drop of alcohol use that we have, you see a corresponding drop in, in the harms that, that, okay. that would come from that. So one of the things that Dr. Sheila Gilhini said as well, I asked her, is this just a complete uphill struggle with alcohol and making people aware of the damages of alcohol, that alcohol causes cancer and all the different areas it can really affect people. And she really, like Gaiman said, with her passion, she really said, well, look at what we've done with cigarettes. You know, we can do this with alcohol. We can to make changes. So she is not backing down for any reason. She thinks that this is this is a challenge, but that we can improve and we can get there just like we did with cigarettes. Yeah. And on the tobacco piece, 
Um, and you talk about, you know, are people being engaged in their subject? Sarah Halpin in the episode three on Tobacco Free Ireland, she talks about her journey from being a smoker to literally delivering group work with people around quitting smoking and helping people like she was such a strong guest with such a strong message. Yeah, absolutely. From the first day of walking into the We Can Quit, it really changed her whole life. She not only it helped her with her confidence, it helped her believe in herself. It helped her change her job. She then got another job working in We Can Quit, as you said, and she just transformed herself. And she's so proud of herself because of that. And I thought it was really good because I, I made a comment to her like, oh, you know, because of your children. And she said, no, this is not for my children. She said, this is for me. And I just thought, oh, my God, that is so true. She did it. She had to do it for herself. And then obviously it's of benefit for her children. But that was a really super I thought she was inspirational. I really did. And so now she's working every week with people in her locality. She's talking the same language. She's explaining to them how she did it. She's by no means intimidating. So they're walking into somebody that they recognize and somebody that they can relate to. And she's getting she's doing fantastic. And it's not just Sarah who's doing things like that. But there are other people around the service who are working in We Can Quit after quitting smoking. And I just thought it was fantastic. She's done things like gone on holidays and saved money for different things in her family and it was just incredible really her story and that's just one of many yeah a lot of the smoking cessation advisors would tell you that they when they meet people that give up smoking like it is it's a radical change in their life you know it's yeah. it's a massive personal empowerment achievement absolutely you know? that's what it personal empowerment yeah i yeah. think that's yeah, a good way to describe it really yeah with so many positive spin-offs and not just for your lifestyle but for your, for your you know your family and everybody else that was one of the things for me in doing this podcast that I found just really interesting, the way people shared their stories with us. The first episode I did about the Living Well program, which was episode five. One of the really interesting parts of that episode for me with Tommy was where he talked about talking to his uh, healthcare professionals about his chronic disease and just having it explained in plain English. Um, that seemed to come up a lot, actually, in the episode and other episodes. And we listen to a clip of that now. The physiotherapist opened Dawkey and she recommended living well. And to be honest, she was saying, oh, I won't be interested in What would I do? But anyhow, my wife persuaded me to, to ring the girl and she was lovely and she explained it all to me. So I went online because it was during the, the COVID period and went online and, well, what a difference it made. I thought that was a very powerful story from Tommy. But another story that really st stuck with me was Susie Burney's story in the obesity episode, which was episode 29, where she talked about taking a bus and the looks and just the reaction she was getting from people during that bus journey. I thought that was a very powerful story. Well, I had a hospital appointment to check out my kidneys. And from the moment I left the house, going to get the bus, I was in pain standing. I get on the bus and nobody will sit beside you and they're throwing you dirty looks. And then you get into the hospital and you find that the department is at the very back. And by the time you've got there, you're struggling. I'm late at this stage and I'm asked to give a sample and I can't fit in the cubicle. I can't close the door and the nurse is annoyed with me. This is now my problem that I don't fit in there. 
cubicle. Yeah. So I have to go and find a wheelchair accessible toilet and I come back and they don't have a cuff big enough to take my blood pressure. And then I go in to do the test and I'm lying on the bed and she uses the device and she says, oh, we can't find your kidneys properly. There's too much fat here. We can't do the test. You'll have to go. And I can remember her face to this day. I was about 22 years old and I'm now 48. And that is the day of it that by the time I return to go home and I'm doing the return trip home on the bus and all the experiences, I didn't get out of bed for two days. I couldn't talk to anybody. I was that shamed by myself that this was my fault and I didn't go back. And this is, I suppose, the ultimate thing we have to think of is that patients will not go back for treatment or care when they are subject to stigma. Eamon, I thought that the obesity episode was one of the most powerful ones that we've done. And I really learned a lot. And I was really quite embarrassed myself when I listened to it with my own behaviour. Because every time we see somebody living with obesity, as we say now, you do tend to look at them and you have that unconscious bias, unconscious bias. Yeah. Yeah, And it's a whole change of mindset. And when I it really would nearly make you cry when you hear Susie talking about the way that she's lived and what she's had to put up with, even with her own healthcare staff and how we have to change the way that we speak to people, the language that we use. And I've been sharing that episode. That's why your numbers are so high. Obviously, that's, on that, that is one, one of a, like on a serious note, though, yeah. like you mentioned, you know, that like it, it, it does hit emotionally because we're all guilty of this. Like Absolutely. society teaches us probably to be kind of have that mm. weight bias. But the episode, like it's our most popular downloaded episode and it's only out a couple of weeks and the reaction like we've got feedback via our youtube channel our twitter channel and people are really touched you know the, the latest comment was got yeah. because it was just inspirational another comment on twitter was like you know somebody felt like this is the first time somebody's talked about this issue and they know. felt it wasn't their fault yeah and they could mm. say that it wasn't their fault and i just think I have never really understood that until I heard that podcast. And I mean, it's really something even for my children that I would like them to listen to, to really understand what it's like for somebody so that you try and prevent that. And as as we said, our own team meetings around this, like this is a subject that we're going to have to have, you know, more content and deeper conversations on an ongoing basis. And I'm delighted to hear, Eamon, that you have another one coming up in January. That's right. With Professor Donald O'Shea. Donald will be talking just more on obesity and also the treatments that are available. So, yeah, that's one to watch out for. The other thing, just just before we finish on that, that that struck me on this around obesity was the way people freely talk about weight. Mm. You know, as Jean said, you know, we don't talk about any other chronic disease in such a blasé fashion. And I thought that that really struck me or stood Mm. out. Yeah. No, there's so much learning there that that we all need to tune into. One of the things that you mentioned there was like Susie sharing her story. You know, she's sharing real examples from her life and examples from colleagues, other advocates that she knows. And when you put that story into that conversation podcast, it is so powerful. But sometimes I feel like one of our first episodes on men's health with Dr. Noel Richardson, I felt I was nearly taken advantage of, of Noel because he shared a story about like he was talking about men's health, but he shared his story about his own Parkinson's. Mm. And it was like, like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm a colleague of his for a long time. And I thought this is really powerful. But I felt like even in the way we edited the podcast that, you know, that we were kind of using his story about the Parkinson's is nearly a teaser yeah. of, of getting people to listen to the episode about men's health. And I felt like, are we taking advantage? But like, no, like Noel was fully open about 
all the issues. And I suppose the, the key message he got, he wanted to get across was that, you know, the help seeking message that we give to men, you know, and he's spent a lifetime giving that message to men about encouraging men to be more open about their health and well-being. But when he was faced with a difficult diagnosis, like that process of coming to terms with that was very significant. And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Mm. And I thought that was like, it was a really powerful message. But I suppose it was a bit confused for me because I thought we were leaning in a bit too much because it's so personal. Yeah. But I think it brings it alive for people as well. And, and when we talk, sometimes I find, particularly in healthcare, which sometimes can be, I know a lot of healthcare professionals are very caring, but sometimes I think our messaging can be quite cold. So I think bringing that context and just the fact that we're talking about real people and it can happen to people we know and the fact that he was willing to share it, I, th- I thought it was a really, really powerful message. Yeah, and the honesty, message. it's just so yeah. honest and real. Yeah, and people can relate to it. Yeah, yeah sometimes you're taken aback, like when I was interviewing yeah. Martin Bean's ward and he was sharing stuff about his experience in school and like, you know, you can't make up some of the stuff he was telling us. And and it was hard to hear. And he was like, are you going to leave this stuff in? You know, he, he said to me after we recorded, he said, you're going to leave all this stuff in. And I was, I was like, absolutely, we're going to leave all that stuff in. But hearing his experiences of discrimination and how that's and how he's trying to, you know, use all his kind of creative avenues to express himself. Like it is inspirational, but like you do feel like you're encroaching on his. Well, you are, you know, he's sharing that personal story, as you said, Eamon, it just brings it to life you know yeah. it really hits home but you're not really encroaching if people come willingly yeah I mean, we're not dragging anybody in and I think as the podcasts have gone on I've realized that the people who come in are there they're willing they want to tell their story their passion and commitment just comes out it's not like preparing them for an interview for a morning Ireland interview they're really there to tell their story they want somebody to listen they want somebody to learn from it they want to showcase it they want to show people where they can get support and it's just incredible you know and and I think our confidence is building with the content that we're providing to people because we're realizing they're the points that people are commenting back to us on that that sounds amazing so just in relation to those two podcasts, we mentioned there episode four on men's health with Dr. Noel Richardson and it's episode 14 on traveler well-being through creativity with Martin Beans Ward. I just want to play a little clip of the insights that Noel shared and Martin shared because I think they're very powerful. It was a challenge being diagnosed with Parkinson's, but my own reaction to it for the first year was also a big challenge because all the things I was asking other men to do, I found very difficult to do myself. But with the benefit of time now, I'm, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be too hard on myself in relation to that. I mean, it, it was a major jolt. It was diagnosed at 46. Yeah, that's very young. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's, it's a massive transition. She instilled in me that through the pen and through the word, you can change your world. You can create your world. And she said also that after school, you can choose to be wherever you want to be. 
Yeah, I think those clips just really bring things to life for me anyway, when I listen to those. It actually reminds me of a more recent episode I did. And just on Noreen's point there, just about people's willingness to share. We did an episode on HIV and Aoife Cummins. I mean, she came off a night shift. She was really tired, but, you know, her willingness to give her time and to stay up and talk to us and to share her story about living with HIV for me was quite inspirational, I have to say. And the other thing I think as well, just again, just the fact that we're having these conversations about topics like HIV or Mm -hmm. obesity, I think that's powerful. It's, you know, I hope that we can in some small way help contribute to changing attitudes. Well, absolutely. Like we're not going to move the dial on health and well-being without some significant culture change. And that's why I suppose in, in my eye, the podcasts are giving us a deeper way to kind of like I suppose in 2021 and 2022 we were doing we were doing an awful lot of webinars and you can see them up on our YouTube channel but there were kind of like discussion groups discussion panels there were you know everybody was kind of getting five minutes to talk about their thing or answer a kind of a a pre-planned question in the in the webinar format whereas this gives us a much deeper place to kind of get into the nuts and bolts and like we were talking about get into the trench where people's expertise has been for years and years. You know, they've got a message, they've got an experience. And we're just giving them a channel for it to, to be uh, consumed. One of the things that you mentioned there around showcasing, like we, ha- we have been able to use the podcast to showcase lots of different expertise and insights. But just to, to kind of highlight some of the podcasts that we did that, that maybe didn't get as n- enough attention in my mind, but the, the episode we did with Ian Power in Spun Out. Ian Power has been working in Spun Out for so long and he's got so many insights about youth health. Yeah. You know, that episode, I thought for me, hit on so many different messages. That episode is very powerful. That's episode 13. It's called spunout.ie. But I just thought that was had so many issues highlighted in it that are current for people today that adults are concerned about, you know, for a lot of young people. I thought the episode you did with Ray Jordan in Men's Sheds, again, it just shows the the external network of partners that the HSE have as well, working with us across health and well-being. So you mentioned Spun Out, but I think Men's Sheds and then there's, there's many other partners who work in the community with us who I suppose support our health and well-being messaging as well. Yeah, and one of those, Eamon, is the National Dementia Office and we did a full podcast on promoting Understand Together and dementia. And we had this amazing lady called Kathleen, who's a patient advocate. And my God, if you want inspiration, you need to listen to this lady. She lives with Lewd Body Dementia and she explains all about it and the difficulty of living with that when she was diagnosed. And I just was so honoured to be talking to her. And Not only does she live with Lewd Body Dementia, but she looks after her 91 or 92 year old aunt in the house. She has done so much work around the country. She's been the poster girl for Understand Together. She wears her badge with pride. She constantly tells people about living with dementia, where they can get support. And she just, she's inspirational and she's somebody living with Lewd Body Dementia. She had a very difficult journey, but She's got there and she knows what's ahead of her and she is scared, but she was still willing, like the other people, to come in and be honest and open and have an open conversation about it. And really, I was kind of sorry that I didn't live near her because I'd like to visit her. She was truly inspirational for me. She was super. So that's episode 28. and We might listen to a little clip of that now. The help is there. You just have to know 
how to ask, not be afraid to ask, and try and stay as positive. Okay, so that was Kathleen from the Understand Together Dementia, and that was episode 28. Interestingly, while we were talking about working with, with different partners, MABS, the Money Advice and Budgeting Service, reached into us a few months back and we ended up doing an episode, episode 27 with Gwen Harris about financial well-being, which is, you know, different. I suppose, you know, we don't work on financial well-being, but MABS are very deep in the trenches on that work. And Gwen shared an enormous amount of her expertise and experience. So if you're interested in that, that's episode 27. I just want to go back to one of the things that we've been leaning on nearly for so many of our episodes. It's the experts and the expertise of healthcare staff. We've all had an experience now of kind of linking in with healthcare staff to get them to work with us on these things. And, and some of them are more than delighted to do that. But we want to reach out to healthcare staff for them to listen to the podcast. But in order for it to be effective, we need to... I suppose, have stories with healthcare staff, voices included in it. One of the standout episodes for me in that respect was the Making Every Contact Count episode, which was episode 12 with Louise Crowley, a physiotherapy manager in Limerick, and Mo Foley, MEC coordinator. And they talked about rolling out Making Every Contact Count in their local area and the difference that it's made to healthcare professionals just in able to raise health behavior topics with service users. Yeah, Louise gave so many concrete examples, didn't she? She did. In in that episode that made made it really relatable and understandable for anybody working in the health service that are trying to embed health and well-being in their patient-facing approach, how the obstacles that you have to get over. Yeah, and we might actually listen to a clip now. I can see that having protected time while it can be at two to three hours, maybe for a workshop and the modules, that time is time well spent, in my view, in relation to the longer term perspective and really embedding in the skills that you need to change patients' behaviour. I really think that was a key enabler for us. So that was a clip from episode 12, Making Every Contact Count. And as Eamon said, you know, we've leaned on the expertise and we want to give credit to so many of the health service staff that have shared their insights. And another one where we had uh, Maury Germain talk about making the big talk, many small talks about those sexual health resources for parents. Like that became a lovely conversation, I thought. And I know I was hosting it. But, but, <laughs> yeah, you're going to say that. Though, I'm going to yeah. say that anyway. But, but, but <laughs> Moira is so experienced, you know, yeah. and she's such a rock of knowledge in yeah. relation to sexual health and well-being, and particularly for parents. She's worked as a teacher and she's worked in the area of sexual health and well-being for so long. And she's put so much time into these resources that I felt it was great, you know, just to have a conversation about what we're trying to do here and normalizing those kind of socializing conversations around sexual health and well-being and relationships with your kids. Um, I thought that was a very healthy episode mm. and uh, really appreciate Maura's expertise. Mm. I think as well, like talking about what we get out of these podcasts for me as a parent that was a particularly insightful one just just making the little talks but also when I spoke to Marion McBride about healthy lunch boxes she had so many tips and tricks on how to get your kids to eat healthier and the healthy lunch box for kids episode is actually one of our most popular because we got we Not got again. we got we got it out in September. We're, we're laughing because some, some of Eamon's hosted podcasts are, are more listened oh, to than God. the rest of us. But uh, <laughs> um, healthy lunchbox for kids. But I think it's in the title as well. You know that like any parent seeing that, we all want that information. Like a lot of parents that are struggling with those lunch boxes and 
getting so much processed food options and trying to see, you know, the wood through the trees and how to get healthy food into the lunchboxes on an ongoing basis is an important thing. Yeah. One of the key lines for me in one of the podcasts as well was from Helen, who was a parent. She had had breast cancer, but she was breastfeeding her child. And she felt one of the one of the lines that she said was she felt that breastfeeding was her parenting superpower. And I just thought, oh, my God, that is just these little things that people say that are so true. She felt that that was her superpower. And I thought after all she'd been through and after all of the challenges that she had through her treatment and getting pregnant and everything, that breastfeeding was her superpower. So I just thought that was really a fun way to describe it as well, you know. Yeah. So mental health has been a very popular theme for us that we've used across a couple of our podcasts. In episode 10, psychologist Mark Smith spoke to yourself, Noreen. More recently, we had Martin Rogan from Mental Health Ireland in episode 31. And back in uh, September, we had two health promotion and improvement officers on to talk about positive mental health and the Mind and Your Wellbeing program. So it's great that, you know, we're having more open conversations about the likes of topics like mental health which really suits the podcast conversations and it'd be great to think that in the future you know we could have more conversations about things like obesity or we're we're encouraging conversations to happen with the listeners with with their own friends and colleagues around these topics because they are sensitive topics Mm. we're trying to put them in conversational format so that people can you know feel empowered to have conversations themselves yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, and what struck me as well when I ask, because I try and finish the podcast, the episodes I do with asking just the guests what they'd like to see in the future. And, yeah. and of the episodes I've done, a lot of the responses were around just more conversations and more openness to the the area that they're talking about, be it HIV or obesity or we have to take these issues out and air them or, or kind I of examine so, them yeah. and uh, yeah. get into the complexity of them. Yeah. And as it starts with a conversation. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the key to it all. OK, well, look, at, let's leave it there. We're planning, as we said, for another podcast series in 2024. Our email is open for business at healthandwellbeing.communications at hse.e. That's healthandwellbeing.communications at hse.e. We'd really appreciate your feedback and suggestions for 2024. We're going to continue to try and promote health and well-being through the podcast conversations. And we'd obviously really welcome your support in passing on the information about the podcast to a friend, colleague or family member to help us spread the word. For now, um, I'd like to wish you a, a happy Christmas and a happy new year. And thank you for listening to another episode of HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing.